Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio Influence. The future is now. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. We have put Christmas to bed, and oh, it's about to be one of the best shows that we get to do on the year on Three Dog Thursday because college football buffet, bonanza, avalanche, and the end of the NFL season as well. The regular season coming to a close on Sunday with all 16 games being played at either 1 or 425 Eastern time with playoff positions up for grabs everywhere. It is Three Dog Thursday. Hope you're doing well. We, uh, we've been wishing you happy holidays. We now wish you a happy new year as 2017 is about to go bye-bye. I can't believe I'm even saying that. I can believe that I'm saying hello to Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper Vegas Insider, one more time in 2017. We've had a tremendous year, figuratively and literally, here on Three Dog Thursday. Great to have you, and we're almost done for this year, and we're almost done with the regular season in the NFL, and we're almost to the biggest bowl games of the year in college football. How you doing? Good, good. Yeah, we're getting into crunch time now with the college, and obviously everyone's you know looking forward to those two playoff games coming up on New Year's Day, and you know some of these bowl games haven't been that competitive so far, but hopefully as we get into the bigger names out there, the bigger name schools, we should get some better games coming up. Yeah, we'll get to that with the college bowl games. Now, last week, you and I uh, unfortunately did not get Texas Tech in the Birmingham Bowl. Great comeback by USF. The Bulls and their star quarterback, Quentin Flowers, scoring in the final 30 seconds of the game. There were three lead changes in the last four minutes of that game, of that bowl game. So we both had taken Texas Tech and the points didn't get that one. So we're each one and one on our bowl games. We'll get to some bowl games in a little bit, some NFL predictions in a little bit as well. Also, Adam Kramer will be here from Bleacher Report, great college football uh, writer, humorist. Uh, you see him also on social media under the handle Kegs and Eggs. I love Adam's perspective. He's in Big Ten country uh, in the Midwest. I want to talk to him about the bowl games and the college football playoff. Because, Kevin, I mean, this is the last show that we have before they're going to play those huge semifinal games with Oklahoma and Georgia in the Rose Bowl, Clemson and Alabama upcoming in the Sugar Bowl, the winners to meet in Atlanta the following Monday night in the new year for the championship game. So we'll talk to Adam about all of that. Also, Rusty Walker will be here, president and CEO of our sponsor, uh, FanPlayoff.com. FanPlayoff about to launch their postseason fantasy football game. That is coming at the conclusion of the regular season Sunday night. Play postseason fantasy football for free at fanplayoff.com. Rusty Walker will tell us more about that postseason game, and you'll want to stay tuned because there's a great offer uh, in the midst of that as well uh, for your chance to win $1,500 for knowing more about postseason fantasy football players and scoring than anybody else. So stand by for that a little bit later on. So, Kevin, back to the NFL, and speaking of scoring, we had a couple of bizarre occurrences already this year, and now a third one. They happen in threes. You made mention of this on social media earlier in the week. The Eagles won the game on Monday night with the Raiders, clinched home field advantage for the NFC playoffs. And not only that, 
we had for the third time this year a bizarre play on the final play of the game where a team scores what is really a meaningless touchdown in terms of the outcome of the game and the scoreboard. But all for those that are short-time invested, whether it's the overtotal, whether it's the point spread, it happened again. The Eagles score on the final play of the game with the Raiders getting 9.5 or 10 points uh, at most of the uh, sports books. again, for those that choose to partake in that. And the Eagles score, putting the number, the, the spread at 9, 19-10, and then elect to kneel on the ball and not kick the extra point. You made mention that's three times in one year. Buccaneers, Dolphins, it happened, and earlier this year on Monday Night Football, Chiefs, Redskins, it happened with a touchdown and an extra point at the end, having something to do with either the total or the spread. That is wild. You you sometimes see it once. You've seen it three times now in this NFL season. Yeah, and you know what? Too, you know, I had the Raiders on Monday night, and I just had a bad feeling that when it was ten ten, and. Philadelphia's going down to kick a field goal. I was, it just, it felt like there was 27 seconds because the way things have gone this year that something weird was going to happen. And they kicked the field goal, and then I was just afraid of, I just don't understand the whole lateral thing. Like, you're not getting anywhere. Throw the ball a little further down the field and hope that you can get something. But throw the ball five yards, you're not going to get 50-something yards. And I just had a bad feeling about that. And, you know, I don't know if it's Doug Peterson did the right thing or what, you know, by just kneeling on it, was it unnecessary to kick the extra point? But, you know, for people so the Raider Packers just got lucky. No, they didn't. The Raiders should have covered that game. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, and again, Andy Reid did the same thing with uh, kneeling on the ball for the two-point conversion, which was important uh, in that instance for the spread involving the Chiefs. And in the Buccaneers-Dolphins game that you and I both worked earlier in the year, the Bucks scored the same way on the fumbled uh, laterals on the kickoff return scored on the final play of the game no time left they kicked the extra point and that put the total over so there were people overjoyed as al michaels likes to say on sunday night football so yeah it's just crazy that you would have three games end like that where the the extra point or the non-extra point would be a factor it's truly the sign kevin that a game is not over until it is actually over even with zeros left on the clock yeah and you know, you would hope that these teams defensively, I mean, I know the Bucks game was different because they were like right inside the five, but in the Chiefs game, I thought it was ridiculous. They pick it up and run it back. And in the, in the Eagles game, I thought it was ridiculous. And these guys want the glory and score. Just fall on the ball and be done with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, why? I know they don't care about the point spread, but just like fall on the ball and just be finished. Um, you know, like I reiterated before, I just think that Oakland, uh, just the way they've been playing, they missed a uh, a field goal earlier to go 13 to 10 i just had a bad feeling something odd was going to happen and, and unfortunately this is what it is you almost have to have that you know you, you have to look at it like something bad is going to happen and then if we can just get out of this with zeros in the clock and you win great but nothing is done so it's done that's what you learn sure and we'll talk more about the nfl and all the playoff implications in those games coming up uh, in our in our final segment with Kevin, when we pick some pro football for New Year's Eve Sunday and all of those games. Okay, so the bowl games are going on midweek and through the weekend, as, as I mentioned, with college football. We head towards the New Year's Six games with the Fiesta Bowl and the Orange Bowl being on Saturday. And then they'll play the Peach Bowl along with the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on Monday after the NFL games. So we've got a lot of games to look at, to analyze. Uh, give me one that jumps off the paper for you, Kevin Rogers, as part of Three Dog Thursday. What are you looking at and why? Well, for 
Saturday, I'm going to take a look at the Washington Huskies. They're facing Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl, and obviously both these teams coming off losses in their bowl game last year. Penn State had an exciting game against USC in the Rose Bowl and lost at the end, and Washington was blown out by Alabama in their you know, chance to go to the national championship. It was just a mismatch. you know. And Washington, it kind of feels like as a team – that everyone forgot about in the Pac-12 this year. The Pac-12 felt like a forgotten conference, honestly. And, you know, Washington still went 10-2. and two. Penn State went 10-2. and two. And Penn State blew that game to Ohio State, you know, which was kind of a killer for them to go to the, the Final Four. But for Washington, I think now, you know, this is a good time for them to, you know, they're not traveling cross-country. They're going from Seattle to Phoenix, which is a lot easier than Seattle to Atlanta last year, where they're playing like a road game against Alabama. And Penn State, even though they travel well, it's still like a road game for them going out west. I just think that Washington will put up a better effort this time around. I did see that Washington team earlier this year uh, in early October, mid-October, and they were beaten by Arizona State. And, and look, they're talented. Uh, Jake Browning at quarterback, uh, Pettis at wide receiver, Miles Gaskins at running back. They've got weapons. And Penn State has Saquon Barkley, who's arguably the best running back and a top-five pick in the NFL, and Barkley is scheduled to play in that game on Saturday uh, despite the NFL draft status. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out in the Fiesta Bowl. I just, I just know the, the Valley of the Sun was not good earlier this year to the Huskies in this matchup. We'll see how they do for, uh, for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I'm curious on the Peach Bowl. I, I really think UCF can not only hang with Auburn but give them fits if not beat the Auburn Tigers out of the, the SEC. I know, full disclosure, you and I do Three Dog Thursday in the Sunshine State, in the state of Florida. You're down in South Florida. I'm in West Central Florida. We've marveled all year at Scott Frost and, and the UCF Knights and their unbeaten season, explosive offense. Quarterback McKenzie Milton's a little undersized, but he's kind of like the poor man's Baker Mayfield. He can sling it. He can run with it. He threw for over 3,500 yards this year. They won the American Conference Championship. I think they can hang with Auburn in this instance. Hey, a quick comment from you, because Scott Frost took the Nebraska job, named his new coaches at Nebraska, and a lot of those guys were former UCF coaches that are coming with him to Lincoln. They have now come back to coach the UCF players in the month of December and get ready for this Peach Bowl. That is not something that goes on all the time, Kevin. In fact, it's odd that the head coach and his staff stay back and coach the bowl game. What do you make of that, and does it help UCF, or does it kind of add to the bizarre part of this or what is your take on whether that really helps UCF in this game with Auburn or not it's a very difficult situation for UCF and I didn't have a problem with Scott Frost you know leaving to go to Nebraska it's his alma mater it's a better job UCF's a stepping stone job unfortunately but at the same time though it's noble of him to try to finish off an undefeated season but how do you how do you do both jobs. It's hard enough doing one job, and now you're doing two. You're trying to recruit Nebraska, but also preparing for the the bowl game with UCF, and a lot of the assistants are going with him to, to Nebraska. You know, I'd like to see UCF finish undefeated. It, it would be nice if they beat an SEC team to wrap it up, but I just don't know how the focus is there. I, I just think it's it's a very difficult thing in that uh, scenario. And for Auburn, after they were embarrassed by Georgia in the SEC championship, I'm sure that. They the last thing they want to do is lose to a team out of the American Athletic Conference in a in a major bowl game. Well, we'll see how that one plays out again. New Year's afternoon in Atlanta. That's the early one before the two big semifinal games between Oklahoma and Georgia, and then Clemson and Alabama and the Rose and the Sugar, respectively. I know we're anxious to see how the playoff uh, plays out. 
Uh, I know Adam Kramer is going to talk with us more about those games in the next segment. Alabama Clemson, the third one. Are you over this? Are you sick of Alabama Clemson in the college football playoff? It was the title game the last two years. It's a semifinal this time. Are you fine with it? Are you interested in it? I'm fine with it. I mean, look, it's, I don't want to say it's like Cavs Warriors in the NBA, but uh, people will be interested to see those two teams and, you know, no, no Deshaun Watson, obviously this time around, you know, changes things for Clemson. I mean, you know what, no matter what people say, they're the two most popular teams, it feels like right now in college football. And the good news is you're not going to see them in the national championship. You only get one of the two, but you know what, you have four teams that you, know, you have four name teams left. So really, you know, whoever comes out of these two games, you're going to have a quality national championship. All right, so those are the games on Monday night. Whenever you're hearing this show as part of Three Dog Thursday, we, de- we debut it on Thursday, and obviously we're keeping it good all the way through the weekend in the NFL, and then those games on Monday, including those semifinals for the college football playoff with those two matchups in the Rose and the Sugar Bowl. Kevin, stand by. We'll come back and talk NFL with you in our final segment. Still to come here, we will talk with Adam Kramer of BleacherReport.com, National College college football writer, pundit, humorist. I look forward to talking with him. We'll also talk more about fanplayoff.com later on in this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Happy New Year, everybody, as we continue. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday does continue on, and it has been a while, and it's it's mainly my fault that I've not gotten a chance to talk with Mr. Kegs and Eggs, Adam Kramer, who does a great job from Bleacher Report uh, of just uh, bringing humor and insight into college football, writing about it, talking about it. And he is with me now here as part of this program with a bevy of college football coming up. First of all, Happy New Year. Hope you've enjoyed the holidays. And now we just gorge ourselves not on food but on on college football, don't we? Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. There is no doubt. Um, I I know people will complain that some of the other bowl games don't matter anymore in the playoff world and that players are sitting out. I mean, when you actually sit down and look at kind of the the four, five, six-day stretch we have coming up here, which builds up to the title game. Man, for me, just a purist, uh, a football fan degenerate, (laughs) just loves it, every every bit of it, from the the best to the the worst possible bowls you can give me, and there have been some bad ones. I'm going to watch everything. So you're right. I, I love this time of year. Okay, so let me just pick up right on that point. We're talking midweek as we head into Thursday for Three Dog Thursday. Yeah. The degenerate in you wants to watch all of these games. But if I said, which one stands out more? Before we get to New Year's Day, which one stands out that you just have to watch that one and why? What is it? Yeah, I'm going to give you the obvious. I, you know, when you put Ohio State and, and USC on the same football field, like that, that does it for me, right? And I, I'm not alone in there, and I – I'd love to have a contrarian answer. And Penn State Washington to me is awfully close. I think that's going to be a lot of fun and, and some really good defense. But it, it's been such a peculiar year for both of these teams, for both of these starting quarterbacks. One of which is going to end his college career. Maybe the other one will too. Uh, Ronald Jones is one of my favorite players in terms of the now a guy that's probably going to go to the NFL. J.K. Dobbins going to be around a while longer. That Ohio State defense, which is going to be good, really good and probably really good next year when you look at the younger Bosa coming back. I mean, there's so much in terms of enjoying this for what it is, which is probably a swan song for guys, but and yet kind of trying to figure out which of these pieces are going to factor in next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And there are obviously some intriguing New Year's Six Bowl games uh, that are still to be played. That Washington-Penn State Fiesta Bowl is of interest. Game. 
I, I think I think a lot of people are intrigued by UCF unbeaten playing Auburn, who who was on the cusp of the college football playoff, and now they're in this Peach Bowl in Atlanta. I mean, that, that's what this it, it builds throughout the weekend leading to those two semifinal games. There are some very interesting New Year's Six and other bowl games in and around the weekend, right? And, and I think that's a part of the, the playoff that's been lost. The committee establishing these matchups has really helped the product overall, like the upper echelon bowl games. So, yeah, it, whether they mean they're, they're the means to an end for a season, for, for two seasons for these teams, and their seasons are going to stop, unlike, say, the, the New Year's Day games. But, I, you know, we put so much time and energy, not into these seasons, but these players, these everything. You, you talk about the sport as a whole. I'm still just um, in love with the pageantry of it. I think you get a lot of that with these games. Love Mr. Kegs and Eggs. Adam Kramer with us from BleacherReport.com. Love his insight uh, and and everything that he brings. Uh, you can also catch him on the College Football Hangover podcast as well uh, as some other outlets. Love getting to talk some college football with him. All right, so you're in Big Ten country, and obviously the Big Ten yeah. did, did not get in the college football playoff. They did not put Ohio State in this year. I wonder, give me, an, give me a different perspective from a different part of the country. When we get to those semifinals, games is it going to ring as true in big 10 country in the west in the northeast that we basically have three southern teams and a and a southwest team in oklahoma is the rest of the country going to be gripped by this as much as the south and the southwest will be interested that's a great question i i think the sport as a whole has become less regionalized it's still a very regional sport you're going to root for who's in your vicinity but I do think you've seen the nationalization of college football a bit. So when Alabama foot plays a football game, a la maybe the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to love them, you're going to hate them, you're probably going to tune in to see what happens. Clemson um, is is becoming the new Alabama. I think people are intrigued by them and their coach and all their good – and there's, there's a plethora of reasons. Then, obviously, you add in a Heisman winner. Uh, you add in Georgia, which is name brand in itself, with, with a lot of really good talent around it. Yeah, I, I think – not to be an infomercial for it, but I, I think there's enough compelling reasons for each team and each brand that we're going to tune in. Now, you read the quotes of J.K. Dobbins, who's unhappy at Ohio State because they get left out, said, I believe, and I'm, and I'm sort of butchering his quote here, that Alabama was not deserving. You'd understand that. You'll probably, if you're in Columbus, you'll tune in with a rooting interest to maybe against Alabama uh, again, and that's fine. So, so yeah, I, I think ultimately uh, this is an area – specifically Big Ten country that loves its football, that loves its college football. And if, if you do, you have to watch this. You absolutely have to. All right. I know part of you is not is, is elated to watch the Rose Bowl, but not happy that Baker Mayfield's playing his final college football game in the yeah. Rose Bowl. He's won the Heisman Trophy. He is definitely unique, wears the emotions on the sleeves in that regard, came back for another year at Oklahoma because he loved college football so much. What, what about Baker Mayfield going out figuratively guns a-blazing with a Heisman in the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl, Adam? It's right up your alley. Yeah, it is. It's it's no fear. I, I love him. I'll I'll be in the Sugar Bowl. I'm, I'm actually at the airport right now, getting ready to go to NOLA here in about I don't know ten minutes. Uh, and yeah, part of me is sad that I'm not going to be able to watch Baker Mayfield do his thing against the fastest defense he'll play all year. But he's he's got no fear, and his efficiency is just remarkable. We we talk about all the scrambling. And I think that can maybe paint an unfair reputation. This is the most efficient passer in the history of the sport. 
When you look at his completion percentage of 70%, his yards per play, which is absurd. When you look at the position, I mean, I, I think he's got this persona that he's established himself of being this reckless, carefree player. And yet when you watch him actually play, it's precise, it's tactical, it's, it's remarkable, and he does this despite being six feet six more. So, yeah, I, I think ultimately it's hard to, for me to pick that game because I do think Georgia's got the better team and Oklahoma's got the best player by a significant margin. I just like watching Baker Mayfield operate. I'm glad yeah. we get to see it at least one more time. No doubt. I know you got to go in a minute. The, the nightcap game that you alluded to, Alabama and Clemson, yeah. whatever you oh. want to call it, the three-peat, the trilogy, yeah. whatever you want to call it, what, what happens in that one? Forecast that one if you can. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I was at the ACC championship game. I could tell you this. The evolution of, of Clemson's roster in three years. First time I watched them play Bama, and I've seen the first two installments, Clemson had some bellies. <laughs> Clemson was not Bama eyes yet. You know, Bama doesn't have any bellies. They got 290 pounds, just blocks of human, just monsters and robots. You've seen the change in three years through Clemson, and it's startling to me. The size of Kelly Bryant, who I wrote on today for Bleacher Report, was fascinating to me. Deion Kane, guys like that. The defensive line is extraordinary, and to me that's probably, that's probably where I turn. I hate picking against Alabama. I just do. I, I, I've done it, and it doesn't feel good when you do it because you know in more times than not they have the most talented roster. I think this is an instance where they, they may not. I think Clemson is deep. I think that defensive line really does play well with what Alabama wants to do, which is establish the run and run their quarterback. And if Kelly Bryant can continue to play well, and look, he completed his 15 throws in a row in the ACC championship, I think they've got a great chance. Love it. Plug away where we can read and hear more of Adam Kramer, please. Go ahead. Yeah, BleacherReport.com, where, where again, we'll be, we'll be in NOLA. And we'll, we'll, we'll have other writers as well at the Rose Bowl. We'll be there. Uh, and then also, yeah, the College Football Hangover podcast, which the name, I think, says kind of what that, that <laughs> podcast is about, which is perfectly on brand for me. So it's, it's, it's fun, man. You're right. It is this time of year for, for us where you gear up and you keep going, and, uh, and I can't wait. Adam, I love getting a chance to catch up with you. I will be in Atlanta when the dust settles and we have the two championship teams as part of the college football playoff title game. I look forward to catching up with you there. Go catch your plane. Have a blast in the new year in New Orleans with Clemson and Alabama, the trilogy. And we thank you for being with us on Three Dog Thursday. Great stuff. All right, man. Thank you. Take care. Rolling right along, it's almost the end of the year, and it's almost, as I joked at the beginning of the show, the most wonderful time of the year for FanPlayoff.com, something that is brand new, and the president and CEO is back with us as part of Three Dog Thursday. Here is Mr. Rusty Walker. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. How you feeling? I'm doing great, TJ. Thanks for asking. All right. So, uh, you know, my fantasy season has gone down the tubes. I don't mind admitting it. For a lot of people, for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, players of, of season-long fantasy football, it has not worked out. Except now we've got something with FanPlayoff.com that we want to tell the fans about because we're, we're just about to begin things with the NFL postseason and, and FanPlayoff.com, right? That is correct, uh, TJ. FanPlayoff.com allows us to start a new league for strictly the playoffs. And no matter where you ended up in your fantasy league, uh, like you say, good or bad, it's over. Uh, so come the playoff time, what we do is we draft our teams uh, from the playoffs uh, teams' players. Uh, we draft a th- we do a three, four, or five-man league. Uh, 
we set our rosters uh, each week uh, based on our players, and uh, we score points each week. Uh, what's great about it is is that throughout the playoffs, every game means something, and you're scoring points uh, uh, every game. Uh, so throughout the wild card weekend, through the division playoffs and the conference championships, right on through the Super Bowl, uh, we are playing a game that is like no other and it has never done been done before in fantasy. Well, and keep in mind here that you all, you have to use some strategy. You're drafting your players. Those are your players for as long as they're alive. So you might have them for only a game if they lose. But you're also able to project ahead, and if that team ends up in the Super Bowl, you could you will have them for three games at least, and you could have them for four games. And that's part of the strategy too, right, in your draft in the process with the pool of playoff players is – Who's going to last the longest and play the most games out of these guys that I'm looking at? Uh, you're essentially trying to project who are those teams that are going to play in the conference championship or in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. And uh, it's so cool because, of course, uh, your main guys, your uh, uh, conference champions and what have you that have bye weeks aren't going to be playing in week one. So, therefore, you're, you're going to need two quarterbacks to make sure you have starters uh, for each particular week. And unlike the regular season, uh, there's no waiver wire. There's no trading of players. Uh, the <laughs> roster that you choose st- stays with you uh, throughout the end. And therefore, when your one of your teams or when the playoff teams lose, those players drop off the oh, roster. Oh. So we don't have those to play anymore. I- I'm shaking uh, my head. So you can't you-, you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head at the other end, having played this. Uh, previously, I had the Dallas Cowboys a year ago on defense. I had Dak Prescott as a quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers stuck the dagger right in me, Rusty Walker, because when they won that game, I only got one playoff game out of the Cowboys in the divisional round. It killed me, but that that's what's going to happen uh, here, and, and, and you're going to watch the playoffs like you never have before. Uh, you're rooting on almost every play of each game with FanPlayoff.com, right? TJ, we've been playing this game for over 20 years, uh, me and a group of guys, and uh, it is so much more fun than the regular in se- regular season because of the intensity. Every play during the playoff, somebody is scoring points or stopping scores, uh, and it just adds a whole new level. To be honest with you, we only play in that league to make it to the playoff, where fanplayoff.com uh, is by far the most fun. Yeah, and so again, the fans for free can come sign up at fanplayoff.com. You're going to draft right after the regular season is over on that Sunday night on New Year's Eve night. I know you might be at a New Year's Eve party or whatever, but by by Sunday night, we'll know the playoff teams. You'll be ready to draft, and then the playoff games are beginning on Saturday. you got a five, six-day window. Get your team. And again, we'll talk about the differences here real quick at fanplayoff.com of a three-person, four-person, or five-person league, three-, four-, or five-team league. Again, if you're playing in a three-team game here with that playoff pool, you're going to get all-stars, right, Rusty? I mean, you're going to get the top-line players. Uh, but by design here, you're going to have a smaller overall roster of guys to hold. You're not going to have as many roster spots in a three-team league. A four-team league will have a couple of more roster spots and one more active player. And then the five-team league will have much bigger rosters because you've got more teams and it will have uh, bigger active spots, bigger rosters on the actual game weekend. So it's much more challenging as you go. We would say the three-team league is easier, the four-team league is kind of medium, the five-team league is the hardest, 
That that would be fair on on the increments on why you'd play the different leagues, but it, it's a challenge no matter what, right? It, it is a challenge no matter what, and lots of times depending on the maybe the league you played in during the season, if it was a uh, maybe you just want three or four in the playoffs. Uh, if you're maybe in a 12 or 14 man league, uh, you would want five in the playoffs, which is similar to the league we played in for years. So yes, it is more difficult the more teams that we have. Uh, but it's great fun. No matter what, it's the total points that you score each week with your players. And even though you may bomb in week one, heck, week two, you could come back and be the high scorer because, again, the, the, uh, uh, the idea is to get the most points uh, through the end of the Super Bowl. That's and right. The one at the end is with the most wins. And this is not, and so that we're clear, again, as we talk with Rusty Walker, the president, the CEO, the man with fanplayoff.com, their proud sponsors with us on Three Dog Thursday. As we talk about this game, one, it's free. Two, you're not playing head-to-head against an opponent like you have been all season long. It is just a running accumulation of points. You're playing every team in the league every week. And this may be the case. I experienced this in in playing in, in this kind of playoff league last year where the guy who won basically ran away and hid the first two weeks. He went berserk with Aaron Rodgers, with Julio Jones, with his Patriots defense scoring points. You can do that in this league. It's not unusual that you could run away and hide, but generally speaking, it's tough to run away and hide because somebody may catch you come championship weekend or the Super Bowl weekend because they've got a lot of players left or team defenses left, and they can reel you in with points. That's the beauty. You play through the whole playoffs Everybody playing everybody, not head-to-head matchups, right? That's exactly right. And let's talk, let's talk about maybe one of the wild-card uh, dark horse teams uh, that maybe is not expected to do well, but they win in week one and beat a team maybe that we figured wouldn't. And now you have players, good players, all the way through for four straight weeks, whereas maybe one of your bi-week teams or your division winners, what if they lose round one? And, again, you lose a Brady and a Gronkowski and whoever. Uh, so, yeah, it's not always good to put all your eggs in one basket, as you say. So a lot of strategy involved, uh, certainly a lot of fun, make you think. And like you said before, it's not head-to-head. It's as we play each game, score as many points as you can, set your roster for the following week, score as many as you can. At the end of the four weeks, the winner takes home the trophy. Yep, and you may be down to just a player or two by conference championship time and the Super Bowl, but that player or two might be the difference in you being able to win in one of these fan playoff leagues. Again, three-person league, four-person league, five-person league. Uh, And we want to say to the fans here that have never played this, if you're just trying it out for the first time and you don't have uh, fantasy football league members coming with you or other people with you, Come, come ahead. Come ahead as a solo, as a single player. We'll pair you up in a, in a public league, three-, four-, or five-person league. We'll plug you in, right? We want them to bring friends. We want them to bring league members, but we're not going to discourage you if you don't have that. Just come play yourself in fanplayoff.com. When you log, absolutely. When you log on to fanplayoff.com, either join a league or create a league. And uh, like TJ says, uh, just join a league, three-, four-, five-man. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, pick your draft date. We'll send you a reminder as when the date's going to be so that everybody's on board and online. Uh, draft your players, very similar, exactly like you do pre, uh, prior season. Uh, and that's as much fun. And be honest with you, TJ, the draft is as much fun, right, as the whole uh, uh, fantasy football. <laughs> the whole half the deal is just the draft. Yeah. It is so cool to see those all-star players there 
and know that you get to choose them and have them all the way through the playoffs. Well, and what we don't know until it gets said is who's playing that first weekend. We have a general idea if somebody locks up a bye, but it may, it may come down to those games on New Year's Eve, Sunday afternoon and evening to figure out who's playing the next Saturday and Sunday, and could they play, like you're mentioning, three games or make the Super Bowl and play four games playing on the first weekend. So... That's another part of the strategy. One more thing, one more moment here, talking with Rusty Walker, President and CEO, FanPlayoff.com, and we're encouraging you to play free postseason fantasy football at FanPlayoff.com. There, there is an opportunity for you to enter in and play for a $1,500 prize. They can find out more about this. You've got a chance to win 1500 bucks if you score the most points uh, cumulative in your league. That's correct. Uh, we're going to have a leaderboard uh, that's posted online on the website uh, that will show you the highest scores uh, as we uh, run throughout the playoffs. And, uh, yes, it's a great feature. It kind of keeps us in line with what the rest of the world's doing uh, and seeing how we rate. But uh, just one of the great features. And like you said, uh, if you create your own league, then you have the option to create the type of scoring system that you want. That's right. Uh, the payoff for, for the leaderboard league uh, that we're talking about uh, is standard scoring, uh, which doesn't take any brain work. It's already set up there for you. You just click and join and draft, uh, and then we'll do the scoring at the end. So uh, the option is yours at the beginning uh, as to which way you want to go or play for. I love it. And, again, you can draft as many teams as you want in different leagues, different sizes. Try this out. Now, you may go insane trying to keep up with all your teams and all of your players, but that's on you. Uh, and, again, you can just bring a couple of friends, be in a three-team league, bring three friends, be in a four-team league, bring your league and bring five people in total and play in the five-person league or just play as yourself in one of these leagues. So one more time, the call to action. What do they need to do? Give them the website again. Go ahead, Rusty. We need to log on to fanplayoff.com, either create or join a league, put your information in there, uh, set your draft date. Uh, We'll be ready to go right after the final game of the season. Enjoy what a group of guys uh, in Tampa, Florida have been enjoying over 20 years. This is the most fun you'll ever have for the playoffs. Go to fanplayoff.com and register now. Yep, that's all you have to do. It'll take you less than five minutes. Set it up, and you can join a league if you're just coming yourself or bring your fantasy football friends and try this out because you're going to watch the postseason, Rusty, like we say, like never before. Every play will have some consequence on it all the way through the Super Bowl with fanplayoff.com, right? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on, TJ. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Ah, we are back in one final time in 2017 with Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com to talk NFL football before we flip the calendar to January and 2018 in the NFL postseason. And Kevin, we spent a little time all the way back at the beginning of the show talking about uh, the NFL conclusion uh, to Week 16 last week. I, I really, I mean, it's it's obvious the NFL by design wants the division uh, contending teams playing each other in the final week. I, I really love what they've done now where everybody's basically playing at the same time as a team that you might be going for the division win against or playoff seeding against. We're going to have nine games now in the late afternoon at 425 Eastern time, and I believe 
eight of them, if not all nine of them, have some bearing on the playoff seating or who gets in or who doesn't get in. This is just as a general comment. This is going to be a crazy Sunday to keep track of all the playoffs and the scenarios by design. What do you think? Yeah, definitely a smart move. And, you know, they eliminated the Sunday night game. And, you know, everyone that needs to win will play at the same time. Obviously, the 1 o'clock games are kind of worthless, so they're putting everything at 425 in the late window. But, you know, the AFC still have some things up for grabs in the NFC to see who wins the South with Atlanta, if they can get the, the final playoff berth. It, it really is, uh, you know, it's good to see that you have a lot of things still up in the air because the worst thing is going to this week 17 is to have one meaningful game and everything else doesn't mean anything. I mean, you're going to get like seven or eight meaningless games, but at least the good news is you have about like six or seven that really, that, that do mean something. Yeah, playoff scoreboard watching will be going on all over the place from Nashville, Tennessee to Los Angeles where the Chargers are to uh, Miami where the Bills are playing uh, and and everywhere in between in the AFC for seeding and for these different games. And again, as you mentioned, in the NFC, one spot up for grabs. Atlanta hosting Carolina. Seattle, same time, hosting Arizona all the way in the Pacific Northwest trying to figure out who gets the last NFC spot. So all that on the line in the NFL playoffs. All right, so you need two more under dogs i need one more you're up first give me a final sunday of the nfl regular season underdog sir all right i'm going to go with the miami dolphins even though they have nothing to play for against buffalo the bills still have to win and get a lot of help to get it as a wild card team and they're coming off this 21 point loss at new england that's asking a lot to now go on the road again to just play a team you just beat with the dolphins who they beat in buffalo a few weeks ago, this is a Buffalo team that's just two and five on the road this year. The two wins were good wins at Kansas City and at Atlanta, as about eight point underdogs each of those games. Now you're laying points. The only time they've laid points on the road, they got blasted by the Jets earlier this season. For the Dolphins, they've already beaten the Patriots and the Jets at home. So now trying to go three and zero against the AFC East teams at Hard Rock Stadium. Again, the Dolphins don't have a lot uh, to play for, and you know when you look back at it, they. Lost to Kansas City, lost to Buffalo, but you know what? They have two nice home wins, and they were tied with the Buccaneers late. They lost late to the Raiders. They beat the Jets. I mean, they've been competitive at home. That's the one thing you can definitely say about that. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins. All right, and interesting again for Buffalo. They need lots of help. They need not only Tennessee to lose to Jacksonville, but also in this scenario, they need the L.A. Chargers to lose at the same time while this game is going on uh, as part of the playoff scenario here. Um, they need the Chargers to lose against the Raiders. Then if they win, they are in. So we'll keep an eye on that one. And you like the Dolphins to go out on a high note with Jay Cutler and company. Hey, give me a uh, – I know you do uh, some things with the Dolphins radio broadcast – we know the season is over after this game. Is Jay Cutler back in Miami? Give me a hunch. Give me a quick guess on is he back for 2018 with the Dolphins, or is he one and done? Well, he came out and said he'd like to play again, but he's not going to be a backup. So if Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter next year, then then he's kind of SOL a little bit, Jay Cutler, if, uh, if that's the scenario. So I'm going to 
say that Cutler doesn't come back since after this year. It just didn't work out, and Tannehill's going to be the guy. I'm going to think that Cutler doesn't come back. It'd be interesting if he goes to the booth or tries to go to another team or not. He was ready to broadcast for Fox. We'll see. Uh, sticking with the NFL theme of uh, of teams and playoff implications as we're talking about, I, I was there in Charlotte on Sunday with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the radio broadcast as the Panthers defeated the Bucs in the, in the final 30 seconds on the Cam Newton touchdown uh, to win uh, in that one 22 to 19 and clinch a playoff spot the panthers are still alive for the moment to maybe win the south and get a home game they need my buccaneers to beat the saints simultaneous to them they need to also win in atlanta and this is a unique situation kevin in that atlanta has to win to make the playoffs so carolina knows if we play hard and we win we we can knock them out a seattle victory with our defeat of atlanta knocks atlanta out of the playoffs uh, we saw the Giants do this to the Redskins last year in Week 17. Giants had nothing to play for themselves, but they played hard, played the starters the whole game, and beat Washington and knocked them out of the playoffs. I think the the Panthers are going to do the same thing. They're going to go all out to eliminate Atlanta, who they beat earlier this year. I know Cam Newton's got almost no receivers to throw the ball to. They traded away Kelvin Benjamin. They've got injuries. He does have Greg Olson, the tight end back. But I, something says to me Carolina will take out the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and win this game, I will take them and the four points on Three Dog Thursday for what is a wild NFC South that could see Atlanta get in or not be out. It could see Carolina be the division winner or not, or New Orleans be the division winner, or New Orleans be a wild card and be on the road on the first weekend. So there's a lot to decide in the NFC South for those two games. Yeah, there is, and Carolina's been a very good underdog this season, so that's one thing that definitely is, is going you know in their favor, but this week 17 is so difficult. I mean, it is when it's the motivation factor for these teams, the teams that are out. I I don't like backing teams that need to win because it just feels like it's, you know, oh well, this team is going to win because they have to win. We've seen teams fall on their face doing that. So I really believe that just you have to tread lightly with this week 17 because there are just so many teams. You say, oh, well, I'm getting a lot of points with this team or, you know, the Rams are an underdog in San Francisco because they're sitting out all their key players. Well, there's a reason why they're an underdog. So why would you want to take a shot with them? Or, you know, with the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes is going to play against the Broncos. They're an underdog. Like It's it's hard. It really is when this feels like an exhibition week for some of these teams. It is that case. Okay, so you have one underdog remaining with all the playoff implications every which direction. Where do you want to end up? Final underdog of 2017 coming from Kevin Rogers on Three Dog Thursday. Go ahead, sir. You know, all the numbers go against the team I'm going to take, but I, I don't know. I just have this feeling, like I told you about motivation and stuff. I like Arizona. They're going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. They've won actually three of their last four meetings up there, and I understand Arizona had better teams in those years. But Seattle stayed alive by beating Dallas last week. They need to win, plus Atlanta to lose. Seattle's been outgaining each of their last four games. Their offense put up about 140 yards against Dallas last week. They had a defensive touchdown in that game. They haven't been that great. We know defensively how many guys that they've lost due to injury. I look at Arizona. They have things going against them here. They haven't won back-to-back games all year. They shut out the Giants last week. They've yet to win two in a row. So that's obviously you know a strike against them. But I still look at Arizona as a team that has been very competitive, at least somewhat down the stretch. Their two worst losses came to the Rams. Other than that, they've hung in a lot of these games. They haven't covered yet as a road underdog, but they haven't gotten this many points either. I just think that Arizona puts together a good effort here. 
towards the end where Seattle's this must-win situation. I don't want to back them in it. And two things that stand out. Which Seattle team do we see? The team that got annihilated, as we talked about last week, by the Rams two weekends ago at home with everything to play for, and the Rams destroyed them. Or the Seattle team that went to Dallas and really played well, especially defensively, against the Cowboys and won a game they had to win to stay alive for the NFC wildcard. I I agree with you. I don't know which Seahawks team that we get. The banged-up defense, of course, Russell Wilson at home. And they're playing simultaneous to the Atlanta-Carolina game. They need a Falcons loss. That that part will be interesting. Also, let me put you on the spot because I love your insight. Is Bruce Arians done in Arizona? He's had them in the Super Bowl uh, previously. Uh, had them in the NFC Championship game, I should say, previously. A couple of years ago, they had the great season a couple of years ago and lost to Carolina in the championship game. I, Arians has had some health problems. Is he done in Arizona, do you think? Is he walking away, or what's the educated guess? Well, we saw the rumors that he would, and he says, oh, that's not happening, which pretty much means it's probably going to happen. <laughs> you have no quarterback. And Larry Fitzgerald, even if he comes back next year, he's near the end of the line. You hope that David Maybe. Johnson, you hope that he comes back to uh, – to his health and, and what he did last year. I don't know. I just think that Arizona, that I don't know if, if he's a guy that's a little bit older, if he wants to deal with this again. Right. Like that's, that's all it is, and especially in this division where Seattle is still good. San Francisco, we see, is now an improved team with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Rams are going to be a force to be reckoned with over the next however many years. So where Arizona is now kind of left in the dust in this whole thing. Yep. Well, we'll see what Arians decides. What do they do at quarterback? Does Carson Palmer come back for a 29th year in the NFL? Who knows if, if that's the case. Will there be other coaching changes? Will New Year's Day be Black Monday in Houston for Bill O'Brien? Will it happen to Vance Joseph after just one season in Denver? That's the big rumors uh, that have been going on in Denver. Uh, what's going to happen with Arians, as we mentioned? There are numerous different teams that may make a coaching move yet again. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, the the uh, turnover of all the different NFL teams. It's it's almost with the exception of like Belichick in New England, Sean Payton in uh, in New Orleans, that there's not another coach who's been with his team for more than seven or eight years in the NFL, and most of them it's the last two or three years. So we'll see if more turnovers happening on Monday after the playoffs. Listen. Uh, I appreciate all the great insight and the fun. Enjoy the bowl games. Uh, One more time, tell the audience here, because with the bowl games coming up, final Sunday of NFL playoff action, you've got great information going one more time in 2017 at VegasInsider.com, Kevin. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we wrap things up here, and then we transition to 2018 with the NFL playoffs. So we got plenty of insight on those games. You have a lot of great matchups, especially in the NFC. And now college basketball, conference season's underway, the NBA, you know, we're moving along, NHL is back after their little break, and obviously after this week with college football, we're going to have the uh, the national championship. We'll see who ends up winning those two semifinal games. So we got a lot going on at Vegas Insider. You can check us out all the time on Twitter at TwitVI, and of course at VegasInsider.com. And follow Kevin as well at VI Rogers. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. And uh, keep in mind that when we come back to you next year, it is next year, next week, we will know, as Kevin mentioned, those two teams in the college football playoff championship game. We will also know the 12 teams in the NFL playoffs, including the eight games, the eight teams, the four games that will be playing next weekend in the NFL playoffs. It will be a big subject on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, Kevin, we had a blast. 
uh, here on the program for another year, another calendar year. I'll talk to you in the new year. Enjoy all the college football bowls and the final wild Sunday of NFL regular season action. And we'll talk to you next week and next year on Three Dog Thursday, sir. Okay, CJ, have a happy New Year. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to Adam Kramer, BleacherReport.com, college football writer and humorist. Love his insight. Follow him at Kegs and Eggs. Also, RustyWalkerFanPlayoff.com, proud sponsor of this show. Uh, Again, go to FanPlayoff.com, play free postseason fantasy football starting Sunday night into Monday. Draft your team, draft your players, and watch the postseason like you never have before at FanPlayoff.com for that. We also thank you folks for listening to Three Dog Thursday. Again, whether you heard us on RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, rate the show, rank the show, move it up in the rankings on iTunes and Stitcher. We'll come back with a New Year's edition of Three Dog Thursday next week. For now, enjoy the Bulls and the final regular season Sunday of the NFL. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. Here is Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera with an Inside the Dugout Quick Fix. It's not easy to be a baseball fan in Florida today. Evan Longoria traded from the Tampa Bay Rays to the San Francisco Giants. In return, uh, Denard Spann uh, goes to Tampa Bay. Two minor league pitchers and Christian Arroyo, who was the key to this as uh, a second, third shortstop combo uh, that the that was the number one uh, prospect in the San Francisco Giants organization. Well, I saw Kristen a lot when he came up. In fact, he, his debut was against the Dodgers, and he he looked like he was going to stay a long time in the big leagues this year. He um he had a really nice swing. He was a good defender. I saw him play some shortstop when Crawford was uh, was down, but I also playing uh, saw him playing some third base. Plenty of arm, good actions out there. Young guy, high school draft pick, by the way. Out of Brooksville, yeah. Had, yep, had some power in the bat. In fact, he hit a, a game-winning home run, a home run that, that uh, helped win a game within his first week in the big leagues. And I thought, you know what? They got a pretty good player here. This guy's going to be all right. But then as time went on, of course, I went with the Dodgers, and I wasn't following the Giants because they were off the map for the most part. And then I saw that he got sent down. He wasn't sustaining what he did the first week in the season but he's an awful young guy and there's a big future for him so I, I i get why why he was the guy the key to the trade for tampa bay because they got to rebuild again as well and denard span who really hasn't duplicated what he did in washington had a couple of decent years with the giants as their leadoff guy but nothing phenomenal overall he's a local pretty, guy that both both yeah. uh, uh arroyo and spanner from the bay area in tampa yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Domnard seems like a good guy. He runs. He steals a few bases, occasional uh, power down a right field line. Uh, very unique batting stance, by the way, the way he closes that front side up. But, um, you know, he's a veteran guy that, listen, I thought, what was it, three years ago with the Nationals, I did my top 10 MVP picks. I put him number 10. I thought he was that good with the, when that last year with the Nationals before he got hurt. So, He's got some ability, but Arroyo is the key. And then you, you and I both know Longo. I tweeted out, and I said it. I said it a couple of days ago on Twitter that I think if I was out there looking for a target third baseman, I would take Evan Longoria over Manny Machado and anybody else out there. I'll tell you what, this is a great deal for the Giants. This guy, first of all, I got to talk about his defense because if you haven't seen him defensively, he's as good as there is defensively. I didn't know much about him when I joined Tampa Bay in 09 and 10 to do games on TV for them. I only heard his name 
And I used to hear people uh, teasing about uh, Evan Longoria or Eva Longoria. You right. know, that's that was that was the big no joke. relation, no relation at and all. By the way, when Bronson Arroyo and Christian Arroyo, same high school, same town, not related. No, not related. Not related. I had to look that but, up. But Evan Longoria was a dirtbag out of Long Beach State, and he's got tremendous ability, great power. But I was really impressed with his defense and the defensive drills that Tom Foley would do with him from his knees doing drills. Almost every day I saw him do that drill when I got to the ballpark after the radio show I was doing on Sirius XM. He was always out there working on his defense as much as his offense. You know that, Rich. You got there very early doing pre and post and everything else. And I was really impressed with his range, with his hands, accurate arm, knew exactly where to go with the ball. As good as there was coming in on the bunt, slow rollers, phenomenal defensive third baseman. I don't think he's lost a step myself because I've watched a few of those games from time to time just because I'm a fan of his ability. From the offensive side, I know he hit 20 home runs and he hit in the 260s and all that. Evan has always said, and he said this to me one time in an interview, post-game, Dwayne Stats and myself did the post-game interview and we were talking about RBIs and versus batting average and Dwayne brought it up. And, and Evan said, I'm not really worried about the batting average. I'm more concerned about making sure I drive the run in. And so he might hit 275. He might hit 290. But he's going to knock in. If you get men on base for him, he's going to knock in. What would you say, Rich? 90 to 100? Oh, 90 to 100 easily. He's never had anybody protect him. He had Carlos Pena never. for about a year and a half. Never. Yeah. Um, they tried Hank Blaylock. They tried Eric Hinsky. Um, uh, they tried Cliff Floyd. Uh, they tried Pat Burl to protect Evan Longoria. He's really never had consistent hitters around him. So to hit that in such a soft lineup, and the Rays did not score a lot of runs, nor were they built to score a lot of runs, for him to put up the numbers that he did on a team that was offensively challenged, you put him in the middle of that Giants lineup, you take him out of Tropicana Field, he doesn't play on the turf anymore, you put him in that big, expensive, expansive ballpark in San Francisco, he's going to hit line drives they are going to roll for days. You know, you could put him in front of Buster Posey, so he might get a few more pitches. And I'll tell you, in San Francisco, he's got power to right field, right center field, obviously left field power. And I know the ball doesn't jump in San Francisco, but he may not hit, you know, 35 home runs as a giant. But I'll tell you what he will do. He'll hit that gap out there in right center field, and he's going to have some doubles and triples because he plays hard. He can run a little bit. He can occasionally steal a base if you want him to. But he just knows how to play. He's a gap-to-gap guy. Um, he's got good pull power. Uh, he's got a unique setup, but he's got uh, very good leverage with his uh, the lower half of his body. Got quick hands, good bat speed. And he's a great, uh, great guy on a ball club, quality guy. And as I said, a tremendous third baseman. This is a win for the Giants, in my opinion. Inside the Dugout with Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.